Peace, peace, family. I'm your brother, Shamel, and this is another episode of Masterminds with Brother Shamel. And I'm definitely excited about this particular episode. I have with me um, a master teacher, um, a longtime friend of mine, a brother, um, an author, an established author. And just to kind of give you the, the scope before we get into the conversation and the interview, um, I had the opportunity to be invited by this brother to be part of a conference, the Christ Consciousness Conference last week, which was an excellent conference. And um, and we will be doing more work in the future. I've learned a lot from him. I've said this many times before. He is the reason why I was able to produce my first published book entitled Who is Elohim? And um, I learned a lot from this brother. He is the author of over 70 books himself. Uh, he is also the founder of the Journey Home Group and the Holy Coptic Church International, uh, which is worldwide. Um, he has chapters here in the States as well as in the UK, the Caribbean, all throughout. And without further ado, I want to bring to you uh, my brother and your brother, known by many names, Basish Haruhoteptar, more popularly known as Reverend Dr. A.J. Varma. Dr. Varma, peace, my brother. Peace, peace, my brother, Shem. How you doing, Shemel? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, we're going to get into the topic Um as I mentioned before, you've an author of many books. Um, and first, let me say this. Uh, when I read your bio, and I'm going to just put it up here for everybody to go check out your website, ajvarma.com. Um, when I found out you written over 70 books, I, I was I was thrown aback because I know what it is to be an author. So um we're going to get into that but before i get into that i would like for you for the listening audience if you can please just share some background as to your journey of enlightenment and how you became a spiritual teacher and an author as well um to introduce to the people uh well first of all it's, it's always chic uh shamel just want to thank you and the brothers and sisters at of the more science temple of america uh, out of Carolina, North Carolina, where you are, uh, for opening the space for us to even have this conversation. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, I'm Rev. Dr. A.J. Varma, also known as Basesh Haruhotep Tar. Um, I'm a, a person who, as far as my background, I'm like anyone else, raised in America, New York City specifically. I went to school there from elementary to high school through university, SUNY Binghamton State University of New York. Um, and, and on this journey, I, I've been blessed to come in contact with some of the great minds and thinkers of our generation. Um, I was a student of what we called Imam Asa uh, for many, many years, Baba 
called Baba Tumreo Imam Issa, was a, was a student of his, a, a very, he's a very important person to me for, in my upbringing. Um, and, and that along with the fact that I had a mother who was very much an African mother or, or an indigenous woman, you know, that, that whole Caribbean mother, that black mother. And she was very much a person that advocated the importance of education. And for her, education wasn't just what we would do inside of the classroom, but education was every day. I mean, she would spend her pennies making sure we had an encyclopedia sets. You know, for the younger people who don't know that years ago, the encyclopedia man would come around twice a year uh, and, and sell you encyclopedias. That was our Google. And, uh, and they would sell you A through M for the first half of the year and then N through Z for the second half. And Thanks to uh, Malcolm X uh, indirectly saying in his book, The Autobiography of Malcolm X, that he memorized the dictionary. My mother decided that she was going to make her son memorize the encyclopedia. And so we went from A to Z doing book reports, literally, literally every subject. Didn't matter the subject. She didn't care what it was. It was just the next thing in line. So having that type of parenting, academically speaking, along with the exposure to the great minds, again, like Baba Toomere, uh, I, I met uh, the, the, the great uh, Amos Wilson. I remember seeing him as a child or young man, uh, came in contact with Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, uh, the teachings. We used to go to the Schomburg Library as a child all the way through teenage years. Um, you know, I have a background uh, being trained overseas and just different things in languages. Um, my teacher stressed the importance of learning languages. My mom stressed the importance of learning languages. So I'm a person who speaks uh, five languages, speaks, read, write, five languages. Um, and so it, it, it's helped on this journey. But mo the most important title uh, for myself is just being a person that's conscious. I take consciousness very serious because the minute we go to sleep, the minute we we slack off, we're going to end up being put back to sleep. And when we end up asleep, we end up in a situation where, you know, things don't get better for ourselves nor for our people. So just taking pride in being conscious and what it really means to be conscious more so than anything else. Peace. Yes, that's great. Um, I wanted to say, um, Dr. Varma, in reference to that, with what you're saying, how, because you mentioned about the importance of us, you know, really truly um, knowing ourselves and things of that nature. What was it for you to, to, to be able to say, I'm going to go ahead and be a teacher? I know we've all we've all been inspired. We've all a lot of us because we come from the same era. Uh, I think you and I probably had the same seller of the, those encyclopedias, uh, World <laughs> Atlas, and all of that. Um, but what was it that said that said to you that I want to teach? I want to teach the people. Well, my my mother was a person. You know, she's, she's a radiologist. And so her thing for me was, you're going to be a doctor. Um, and she would always stress, but her thing was, you're going to be this because you are obligated. She literally made sure that in my mind, I owe my people. She That was her thing. You're, you, know, you were born, I was born in Liberia, West Africa. So she would always stress, you, Amadou, must go home to your people one day and help them. 
you must go home. So she constantly would say, you have to go home. Don't forget about our people. Our people are, are waiting for you. You had an opportunity to be in this country in America. Take this opportunity, make something of it. There's people who would give their, their arm or their life to get such an opportunity. And so I was being taught from five years old, you know, being taught who the white man was. She, she was the first person to tell me the white man's the devil, right? She told me that around four or five years old. And so she was stressed that. So my natural goal was to become a physician and then go build a hospital and do stuff for the black community because I was being raised in New York City. So I wasn't just being told, okay, you're an African, you got to go home. But I've always naturally being raised in New York, being raised as a black person in America, my experience was black, right? My experience was black America. My experience was racism, white supremacy, you know, un un uncut. Um, I remember the Yusuf Hawkins situation in Bensonhurst when the Italian guys chased him to his death. I remember the Eleanor Bumpers. I remember, you know, when the white police officers shot through the steel door and killed the grandmother, with, you know, because they couldn't shoot her with a beanbag and take the knife from a 90-year-old black woman. I remember Tawana Brawley when those white men uh, kidnapped this young black girl, raped her, and then and then were able to flip the story that she tied herself up in a black garbage bag and put fecal matter all over herself. I remember, you know, growing up and seeing these things. I remember police officers running up on me and my friends, literally standing in front of a building at age like 11 with guns drawn. I remember being dragged out of police car, out of your, the vehicle. We're on our way to get some Chinese food, wearing all white robes. Cops pulled us out, face on the concrete, gun to the head. Y'all fit the description. I'm like, somebody just robbed somewhere with long white robes on, right? So I remember getting slapped, literally slapped around by a police officer. I remember, so these things made me develop not just a sense of race pride or black pride or African pride, but made me have this affinity and a connection to what black people go through. You follow? And then I was always stuck between two worlds because if I was around people in America who didn't know where I was born because I sound New York, you know, I grew up there from, from three years old. So because you sound like an American, many of my friends who didn't know, there would be things they would say against African people as a as an idea of Africa. And I'd sit there, listen first, right? you gotta let a person commit, right? <laughs> listen first, and then once they would commit and say whatever they were gonna say, I said, well, I'm from Africa. And they'd be like, well, I mean, we all from Africa. I said, no, 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 I was born in Africa. And you could see the shift, like, wait, you African? Said, yeah. It's like, but you don't act like an African. I said, well, Africa's a continent, not a, not a country. So you, which African? And then I would travel or be around my relatives from overseas and you know, from different countries on the continent. And there would be times they're talking and they would forget that this person, myself, was raised in America around my people. And they would be talking despairingly about black people, right, of the diaspora, saying certain things that I'd be like, no, auntie, that's not true. In fact, growing there, let me tell you what the reality. And so what it allowed me to see is and, and and what allowed me to know that I wanted to become a teacher was those moments, right? Because I said I, I'm in a unique experience. I'm literally an African American, right? I'm an African born or raised in America. So and then when I get to Africa, I'm a <laughs> I'm a diasporic person returning home, and so it put me in a unique position. I said, if I'm able to see that we're both getting played. Right, those of us of the of the of the diaspora and those of us of the continent, we're being manipulated by certain elements, whether it's NSA Memorandum 46 to keep black uh, p 
people of the diaspora from ever making contact and an allegiance or an alliance with any African nation, right? That was back from the Carter administration. They passed that NSA memorandum 46, their details under the Kissinger regime. So learning those things, I developed a mindset. And then by age 12, I came into contact with the Nubian Islamic Hebrews, and that would forever change my life because now I was being shown by a, a, a master right? A, a true master of masters, right? You said I was a master teacher. Well, he's the master of masters. And this gentleman was a, a man named Imam Isa, or Sheikh Sayyid Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi, as I know him. And what he taught us, and I met you there or through there, and what he taught us was seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave, read everything, master languages, t t don't don't believe anything. You know, he would say, don't believe sugar, honey, iced tea, he actually said the word, right? Um, <laughs> you know, and push and learn. And he would always say to us, I was a little kid at the time, he would say, your job is to master what I'm giving you and then take what I'm giving you and learn to do your own research and go further, right? Your job is not to worship me, he would say. Your job is to become me. Your job is to take on the image and likeness. And these are things that we learned. And so we were taught from young. He said, you younger guys, again, I was 12 at the time when I met him, you younger guys are going to become the ambassadors. You're going to become the teachers. You're going to be, and he would always stress teachers. He would say, yes, you could become a doctor, but you'd only be one doctor. But if you become a teacher, you can convert many doctors. So he said, you're going to convert the doctors. You're going to speak at the universities. You're going to travel the world and speak at the the the, the lodges and you know these places where the the higher thinkers or higher mind uh, minded persons would be. And as you know, being a young person, I believed it. Right. That's, the, that's, what, that's what you do. I believed what he was telling me was a reality. I believed what he was saying to me could happen. And so I worked towards that with that belief in mind. I worked towards the goal of I'm going to be the best at what I touch. Um, still had a full medical uh, uh, scholarship to go to Emory in Atlanta, um, but chose still to get my Ph.D. just in literally getting my PhDs in religion and uh, in, in, in the understanding of the origins of European religions, the origins of African uh, spirituality or spiritual systems, and to use it to now convert people who are actual MDs and psychologists and counselors and dentists and you've uh, nurses. So I'm, I'm doing exactly what he told me that was going to happen. And that's the motivation. That but That's me being a teacher was from him. My mother was like doctor, so now I'm Rev doctor. So I got the doctor for her. So I mean, not, that's not the one she wanted, but I did get it. Uh, and, and, and then being a teacher, that was from him. Those are the two people I would say, you know, guided me in this path of teaching. And then realizing uh, finally that he would always say, we would ask him, you know, well, how do you work so hard? How do you do what you do? You work round the clock. You never rest. How's that possible? He said, well, I function with a mentality of if I don't do it, it won't get done. He said, and I learned this from him around age 15. He said, so I want you to learn to always function with the mentality of if I don't do it, it won't get done. So no matter where you go, just keep saying to yourself, if I don't do it, it won't get done. Don't depend on anyone. Don't depend on mother, father, sister, brother, husband, wife. Don't depend on anyone. Just say to yourself, if I don't do it, it won't get done. And if you move off of that, and then he would say, that if enough of you become that way in your thinking, then we'll get stuff done. Unfortunately for melanated people, I've learned that many are always depending that someone else is going to do it. 
you know, someone else. And he, he gave us instructions. He said, uh, you have to do, you have to produce movies. You have to write books. If you want to put out the fire of the devil, then you have to write the books that addresses the problem. You have to create the movies that address the problems. You have to, you have to become the miracle that you seek. And so that mindset is what I move with. I, I, people say, how do you stay up every day? I said, because if I don't do it, it won't get done. It's that simple. If I'm working on a project, someone right. says, oh, "Look, can finish it for you. I said, oh, you finish the next one. I'm going to finish this one. Because what's going to happen is you're going to convince me that you're going to finish it. I'm going to put it down and I'll come back to you in six weeks and it won't be done. Now I'll be six weeks behind schedule. You, <laughs> you, you learn that. That's part of that God mind. Absolutely. That's a great segue. And I, I love what you said, man, because um, I feel everything you was telling me is like I feel the same way. Um if you don't do it, it won't get done. You know, it, it's something that I know that was instilled in you being a part of the Ansara Law community it was instilled in me. I saw, I was, we was able to see work being done. Yes, real you, you work. I think yeah. um, I had a conversation with um, our brother, Shikara Ranisio, um, this was a couple of years back and, and we was talking about um, our experience Mm -hmm. And how we was able, how we're able to perceive things in a certain way in the in the paradigms in which we move because we came from a space where work was always being done, whether it always. was on the land, whether it was out there propagating. Always, it, it was there was no downtime. No, there was no. <laughs> it's funny you say that because that there used to be when I was a kid. They, uh, amongst the brothers that were in the community at the time in Bushwick, we had over a thousand men at one time and they used to circulate this flyer and on the flyer it would say Ansar Heaven and you saw a guy with his robe still on laying on the bed because he was tired, right? So for us, Heaven was literally just getting some sleep. That, <laughs> that, that was, people said, what do you do for fun? Sleep. Why? Because you don't sleep. Right? Our <laughs> beehive still is um, as Nazarites. And you know, bees don't sleep. The, the hive is always active. There's always something going on in the hive. Or that he would have a prayer called the prayer of the ants. There's always yeah. something going on. So I always tell people in, in, in the Holy Cryptic Church at our organization, I say, I, you know, I, I look at y'all sometimes and I smile and say, well, you got it easy. I said, we worked around the clock. We literally worked around the clock. We built masjid from ground up with an S at the end. We built temples, we built schools. Around, when I tell people around the clock, they laugh. They say, no, no, you don't understand. We didn't have a work hours. You you went to work from seven in the morning and you may work till midnight and then you might get off at midnight and go to go lay down and then you'll hear your name come over the radio. You know, this is Mel to the brothers. Anybody on the work site? And you're back up and you're back at work after an hour and then he come out and, and so we were driven in, in from Bushwick that anything we want, go get it. Yeah, that was our mentality. He said, "By hook or crook, anything we want, go get it. Don't, don't. We don't wait on anybody. We're not waiting for anyone to tell us what to do." So it's weird for me. Sometimes I see some of the people who who still claim to to follow the great teacher, right? Uh, we call him Baba Tumre. I said, "But you say you follow him, but you don't move like him. You don't work like him. You don't. You, you he he didn't sit around talking about people. He just got stuff done. He just outdid you." He didn't have to. He didn't have to talk about nobody. He just outworked you. He just outdid you. He didn't talk about a pyramid. He built pyramids. He didn't talk about masjids. He built masjids. He didn't talk about synagogues. He built synagogues. And so he taught us that. 
And for me, that mindset of I'm going to go get it. You, you know, I'll tell any person who looks at what we teach, I say, you might be taller than me. You might be whatever, but you're never going to outwork me ever. You won't outwork me. You can't. You not not. You just can't. Not in what we do. This and that's my mentality. And it's not an ego. It's not. A, I'm better than the world. Is that I'm the best at what I do. And you have to move with that in mind, being the best at what we do. If we're doing consciousness as the Moorish Science Temple, as yourself, Sheikh Shemel, or myself as the Nazarite of the Holy Cultures, then we got to be the best at, if you are more, you're supposed to be the best more ever. You're supposed to represent the epitome of being a member of the Moorish Science Temple of America and how you walk, talk, dress, look, everything you do. That has to be our mentality. That's what I learned from him. So people who still claim but don't exude that type of energy, I just kind of look and you're like, you're like, what is that? You know, <laughs> we look at, right. Absolutely. Um, so that's a great segue to uh, the book of the many books that you've written and I'm gonna show everybody again. Let me go ahead here and put this up. This is uh, Are You Slave Mind, Student Mind or God Mind? So we're gonna get right into it and you can check it out on the website, his website, ajvarma.com. So first question, what inspired you to write that book? Um, I would be honest with you. It was uh, B.B. Shahrazad Ali. Okay. Uh, Shahrazad Ali wrote a book, Are You Still a Slave? It's a book that she wrote. And coming again from my teacher, uh, Baba Tumre, one of the things he would always tell us, uh, there was a song that came out years ago by an artist he was producing. Um, and on it, he's, uh, the artist, her name was Nifu. And she was talking about, she said, there's three type of minds, the student mind, the, the, the slave mind, the student mind, and the God mind. And that was the name of the song that she wrote, right? Or, 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 or the lyrics of the song that she wrote. Are you student mind, slave mind, or God mind? And she would, and in her presentation, in her rap, in her musical delivery, she talked about it and it stuck in my head. So fast forward, this was now probably almost a decade later, right, from the release of that song. Um, I'm talking to a brother, you might, uh, I'm sure you know, a brother named Jack Knight, all right, he's in the music industry, and he and I are talking, and he's like, man, you, you know, you should write a book called Was God the First Slave Master, if you're going to write a book, because that would be a really good book. So I said, okay, I'll look into that, I, you know, I'll, I'll think about writing it, but I was just finishing a book called uh, Children's Fairy Tales Breed Adult Religions, and had so much more to say in that book, but now it was already at 500 pages, so I was like, okay, well, I can't put it in here. And I remembered the song and I said, you know what would be interesting if we could explain based off of B.B. Shahrazad Ali's Are You Still a Slave? If we could explain what a slave mind is. So I just was only focusing on the slave mind. But in the process, I looked at, well, well what's a student? What would be a student mind? And then that led us to, okay, then what is a God mind? Because we all, you know, everybody, if you ask me, well, I'm a God mind. But what is that? What is the difference between a God mind, a student mind, and a, and a slave mind? And that began the quest. And as we began to do the research to write the book, I started taking the tests that I was creating, right? So you're creating this test, but as you create it, you look at your own answers. And then by the end of it, you're looking at your answer going, damn, I'm I ain't really, I'm like this student, you know, I'm leaning into slave if I'm not careful. So what things do I need to remove from myself 
to get rid of that slave mind and to propel this student mind into a higher state of being of consciousness. So that that was what that's what led to that book being written. Okay, okay. Um, when I saw that title, um, the thing that came to me is um, prior to that, I had got the book that Baba Atum Ray wrote, um, Sacred Wisdom of Tahuti. Mm. And I remember him speaking of that in that book, the um, slave mind and student mind and God minds. And, and that's, that's one of my favorite books that he put out. Uh, I still read it to this day. Mm. Um, so I, it gravitated to me and I said, let me, I got to get that one. I got a few of your books, but I said, yeah, let me go ahead and get that one. Mm -hmm. um, and what you did so eloquently is do just what you said, um, define each of those minds and, and kind of expound on it. So with that, the question I'm going to ask you um, for the audience is what is the God mind? The God mind, if we used to learn that God was short for G-O-D, uh, Gomar, a Hebrew word, Oz, a Hebrew word, and Dabar, uh, which we translated as wisdom, strength, and beauty, right? This principle of possessing wisdom, possessing strength, possessing beauty uh, can also be said as knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Knowledge wisdom and understanding, strength, wisdom, and, and understanding beauty, because the mind, you become more beautiful the more your mind develops. You know, you, 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 your beauty as you age is not in just the physicality of your look, but in the development of the mind, you know. Uh, so we would look at this word God as an acronym for Gamard, Oz, and Dabard, wisdom, strength, and beauty. A God mind is a person who understands that the knowledge that I'm delivering, not I, me, the individual, the knowledge that I'm dis delivering or discussing, that, uh, knowledge is information. Uh, wisdom is how do you dispense or deliver that information. And understanding or an overstanding is knowing what the results of said information would be. Knowledge is knowing that this woman is, or this man is cheating on their, you know, whatever, on their spouse, that's knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to tell them. Overstanding is knowing that someone's going to die when you tell them. So knowing how to deliver it in a way that doesn't lead to someone killing someone and ending up in jail and you know, in a murderer, knowing. So we advocated that that God mind is that. In the conscious community, right, whether it's the Moorish Science Temple of America, the Hebrew Israelites, the various branches, the Nation of Islam, the various branches, the, uh, the Nawapians, the, uh, you know, Al-Kubalan, Egyptology, whatever. There are different types of Moors, different types of Muslims, Christians, every all these different, different groupings of people. But what makes amongst all of them, certain people stand out is their knowledge, their wisdom, and their understanding. That they're not trying to be right. They're not trying to debate because ultimately they understand that all of these has the truth. Truth is perspective, the perspective that's necessary for the individual that's listening to it. Reality is all of these need to come together in some way, form, or fashion in order to make sure that these truths even survive. Reality is that we have, whether it's in the United Kingdom with the Ministry of Common Sense, 
that's going after so-called wokeness, or it's in the United States and uh, where they're going after critical race theory, right? There is a, a, a drive by the powers that be, by the, the devil's seed and flesh to eliminate knowledge or consciousness from amongst the people. So the God mind are those who are going to fight here, utilizing the abilities we have, our mouths, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our senses, to convey a message to the, our people in such a way to stimulate an awakening in order to survive and thrive because we see what's coming. The God mind sees things as they are and addresses what they see. We, the God mind does not suffer from cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is to see the reality and want to reject it because it's not the reality we want. You're choosing to be cognitively awarely, in the sense of awareness, dissonance, to disconnect from the reality. God mind doesn't seek that. God mind also understands that there's not, there's, there's not this sense of Alice in Wonderland, right? We're not looking for a false narrative. We're not looking for a fairy tale. God mind knows that no one's coming to save the black man and black woman anywhere on the black planet that's not already here, right? The, the black the God mind understands that anything we want, as Baba uh, Elijah Muhammad taught, you know, it, it, how can you respect the people to respect you when you beg them to do for you what you ought to do for yourself? So the God mind takes on the mentality of do for self. The God mind takes on the, the uh, production of one God, one aim, one destiny. The God mind takes all of the great teachers, all of the great minds and throws nothing away and figures a way to put all of these pieces of the, of the, of the different great writers and orators amongst melanated people and put these pieces together. The God mind knows that God, that God has the have the ability, I say the most high, God mind recognizes that we must control the three basic necessities for life, food, clothing, or food, shelter, and reproduction. The God mind understands that there is no me without you. The God mind, under, and we, we, we keep saying that because the God mind ultimately, if the God mind recognizes all of these things, then the God mind is the mind of awareness and consciousness and conscientiousness. Consciousness is being aware of what's taking place around me. Conscientiousness is knowing how to operate within said space in such a way as not to disturb the wrong elements to bring their attention to you or to prematurely disturb the right elements, giving a person so much information that they can't handle it and they overload. So that God mind is it's a surgical kind of mind. It's a mind that says when you're talking to a person or persons, you're doing surgery. Take out time. Be clear. Be concise. Be precise. This is surgery. I know, I know, I know a lot, but I know that this person only needs what they need for this moment. And they must be raised in degrees of consciousness to fulfill. But if I just start telling everything I know just to show how much I know, I'm going to lose this person. Sometimes the God mind will tell you, just be quiet. Like it's telling me right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Look, you just said it on the point. Sometimes you just gotta say just enough, and and um, and I and to your point, I feel like a lot of that deals with no being aware of your own ego and knowing when to put the ego aside, because your ego will cause you to say, "Oh man, I'm gonna hit him with this. This one is deep. Let me let me tell you this about this." Right. And they didn't need all that at this time. You need all that. That's right. <laughs> oh, God, it'll tell you that. And it, and it reminds you, it keeps you humble because it reminds you 
that you stand on the shoulders of people far, you know, who put in a lot more work, a lot more time, and there were far more sacrifices and far greater than you and I. And if we remember this sho the shoulders on whom we stand, so if we remember the Francis Cress Wells, the Marimba Annies, the Shahrazad Ali's, the Kenora Hudson Weems, if we remember the Babatum Rays and the Elijah Muhammad and the Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Noble Jurali and the Pedro Campos, Otto Schomburg, Dr. Ben, Henry Clark, uh, Van Sertima, and Marcus Gar If we remember the Mandela, Winnie and, and, and Madiba, right? If we remember them, then it lets us, how can I ego trip? when I, Once you say those names, it, it should immediately humble you. Absolutely. It should yeah. immediately, if you, if you just invoke them, you know, I, I'm never, I've never taught and never will without giving some respect to one of the BBs and Babas. Right. I always make sure no matter what discussion, no matter what lecture, I will mention enough of their names because as long as I invoke them, then they will invoke me. As long as I honor their memory, then they will be there in memory when I'm teaching and there's something I need to remember, you can you can receive of that ancestral energy from a Francis Cress Wilson. But yeah. if you don't honor them, he says, honor your mothers and your fathers that your days may be long. We fail oftentimes because we don't understand invocation. We're thinking of some voodoo weirdness that they put on TV when true invocation is merely speaking the name of the individual in their greatness. And then that spirit of a Marimba Annie, that spirit of a, a Neely Fuller, alive or with the ancestors, it extends to you because it's energy. Energy is always trying to stay in motion. It never rests. Creation doesn't rest. So as long as I'm a part of, you're a part of, we're a part of creation, creation will keep recreating through us. And then we become conduits of the information. And that's, it's, it's a very humbling experience when you think about it in that way. But unfortunately, so many in the church, Ma synagogue and, and, and the conscious organizations, we, we start thinking it's about us and it's not. Because ultimately, you, know, you and I met, we, we were, we got a bunch of hair on our head and none on our face. And life has reversed the whole damn thing. <laughs> right. Now there's none on the head and everything's on the face. But it's, it just keeps you humble that you realize, you know, the greats that came before you. They make our job easier. They did the work. They did the research. And it's for us now to take that work, take that research, put it all together, make sense of it, unify it, and then take that pure, pristine purity to the world of our people and, 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 and infuse it to them and, and do for them what the greats did for us. You know, what a Naeem Akbar did for you and me, what a, what a Leonard Jeffries did for you and I, you know, what these great teachers did, even the 5% nation, those who, yeah. you know, the God, Clarence 13 facts, what he did, people, you know, we, we forget there's no, if there's no Clarence 13 facts, there's no, uh, 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 there's no Wu-Tang, you know what I'm saying? And, and and a lot of what they did, or or Eric B. and or, or Rakim, or Nas, or, or so many other people who've used music and other mediums to convey the message to the people. So we've got to give respect. We've got to always give respect to the shoulders upon which we stand. That's the God mind's way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you said something very powerful um, about calling the name. Like, I, I think you, um, in, in what you said, um, people, I hope people caught it because in calling the name, evoking the sound and the, and the energy that is associated with it. So that put me in a whole mindset of even 
with Muslims, particularly Sufis, called zikr, zikr, you know, zikr. names of Allah. Remember. Each attribute, as you call that name, the energy is accompanied with that. So when Sweet. you do that with your ancestors, the energy that comes through your energy is within is in within your name. It's within the name. My name. That's right. Etc. That's why you, when someone calls your name, you have a different reaction, particularly on how they call it. That's yeah, right. it's 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 that's power of the name, right? And this and this is why they do everything in their power to eliminate the memory of of people. They always try to wipe out the 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 the, the devil's seed is always trying to wipe out the remembrance of a person. You know, they don't mention Garvey's name. Yeah, they make you don't hear if, if you didn't know better, you wouldn't even know there was an Amy Job Garvey and a Marcus Garvey. If you didn't know better, you wouldn't even know there was that there was an Elijah Muhammad and a Clara Muhammad. They've made it to where certain names aren't even mentioned because if you mention that name enough times, you invoke that spirit. That spirit is that personality, and that personality would make you achieve what they achieved and then some, right? As a Muslim, Muslims, even in the tasmiyah, when they say Bismillah rahman rahim in that tasmiyah, those 19 letters, they say Allah Tashatashar, over it are 19. There's 19 angels, each over one of the letters of the tasmiyah. Each of those angels, that each of those letters is the first letter of one of those angels' names who are responsible amongst the mutasawif or the Sufi for protecting that tasmiyah. So we overstood. That is invocation. I'm a If I'm a Muslim and I'm saying the tasmiyah, I'm not just saying in the name of God, the merciful. No, the mutasawif, the Sufi, no, no, each of those letters is the letter of an angel whose job it is to protect that tasmiyah. And you're invoking that angel into those 19 angels, over it are 19 angels. You're invoking those angels into your life. If I go to the Hebraic doctrine amongst the, the people of Yeshiva, right, the so-called Hasidim, who I studied with uh, years ago while in university, I used to work uh, at a, a, a Hebrew black kosher restaurant, and they used to come there for shul and everything. Inside the restaurant, there was a, a shul, a prayer, you call it a prayer room, and they would teach me Yiddish, right? And, and I would study with them, asking questions, and they would ask me questions, and that's how it went. But um, one of the things that you learn is they they do the same thing. They 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 have this this idea of they say tov mavushka, right? Tov mavushka. They say that which is correct for us, and they have this every Friday. If, you, if they gather, you hear them singing, and they're using this tonation, and they say, "Oh life, oh life," and they're chanting this to invoke. For them, for them, in their way, for their system, for their betterment, to invoke memory. You know, they they are very much into remembering the Holocaust, remembering Israel, remembering Shema Israel. They'll keep saying it. Say, if you go amongst the Catholics growing up in Catholic school, right, uh, uh, with Sister Loretta and and Monsignor Veer, Saint Raymond's Elementary. Shout out right back in the day, and they're Europeans, but they would they would teach us. Uh, the sciences or the teachings of the Gregorians and how the Gregorian chant was about invocation. Uh, being upstate New York, also working uh, at the Brown Hotel back in college, one of my jobs, uh, I worked at an ashram, right? You're setting up the ashram, cleaning up, making money. That's what I was really trying to do. But while there, seeing how they ran that ashram, everybody except black people, right? We're the only people that are not invoking. We don't understand the importance of invocation, though we're the mothers and fathers of it, right? Invocation, I'm not talking about voodoo. I ain't talking about scary or some movie, right? That people try to make it voodoo's the bad thing. I'm talking about an ancient spiritual system 
that allows you, how did Christ, if I'm a Christian, as a Christian person, I ask my fellow Christians, how Christ was able to call Moses and Elijah? And where was he calling them from? And you know, and who was he speaking to? You know what I'm saying? You know, this idea of speaking to space, that it didn't exist until the Europeans. So we have a system. Invocation. The more you talk Noble Drew Ali's name, you invoke his consciousness. And his consciousness is a spirit of truth. Because all of these great minds were about truth. So if you invoke their name, then you invoke the spirit of truth. And truth is truth. Truth doesn't care who's speaking it. If truth hears truth, it acknowledges that that's true. Yeah. Follow? And so invocation. But in the, again, in the conscious community, unfortunately, you got a lot of people who would talk the information and they never give respect as to where it comes from. If you didn't know, listen, if I went right now, and I even say no names right, but on the average person, the conscious teacher's platform, they'll talk for two hours and they'll never say the name of anyone else. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't know better, you would think it comes from them. From them, yeah. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't know, no, that's Dr. Ben. No, that's Dr. Clark. Yeah. That's Van Sertiman. That's Francis Cress Wells. And that's Neely Fuller. That, and, and, I, and I've always felt that, that that's not right. right. That's not right. If you want to be remembered, then you must remember those before you. Yeah. If you want someone to invoke you one day, then you must invoke. If you want someone to, to build a statue of you one day out of respect, then you must build a statue of them now. You know, we always want to be first. No, we got to be second. Take care of the elders. Yeah. Make sure their works weren't in vain, and then everything else falls in place. That's the power of invocation. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, yeah, we gotta we gotta give honor to the ancestors. That's that's without question. Um, so with that, I want to ask you the next question in reference to the God mind. How does one access gain access to the God mind? I know we spoke about um, invocation, but how do we? How do we go through that process if one wants to do that? Well, before that God mind is that student mind. Right. And student, I, I think people don't understand this idea of, of study. Don't understand this etymology. I'm, I'm, I'll pull it up, right? But this etymology of the word study, what it means to study. What does it mean? People think studying is just what you do when you go to school and you just, you know, you, 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 you're getting ready for a test and that study. But study implies, as, as, we, as we're looking here, to strive toward. So study is not something you just achieve. It's something you're striving towards. It's something you devote yourself to. It's something you cultivate like a plant. You have to water study. You have to give it sunlight. You got to give it warmth. You have to give it land, you know, the, the soil. You have to give it wind, pollination. You have to cultivate it. You have to, and that's what it tells you from the word virtue, from vice, from wisdom, from art, right? They go on from occupare, studiare, to study, to apply oneself, to show zeal for, for, for application, to examine, right? These are all, they give you study, application, eagerness, to be diligent, studiare, right? which is reconstructed to be from the Proto-Indo-European, astute, to push, to stick, to knock, to beat, ask, seek, knock, to knock, right? Uh, to be steeped in, like steeping a tea, right? The notion appears to be pressing forward, thrusting towards, striving after, uh, specifically apply oneself to the acquisition of learning. So it, to, that student mind is acquiring the, the things that you need to learn. They, they're buying the books, they're getting the recordings, they're going on the YouTube, they, they, they're acquiring, they're pursuing. It's a formal course of studying, of reading, of books, of writing, intent 
intention, intently, meditatively. They're, they're pondering, they're thinking, they're reflecting. That student mind is where it begins. It begins in study. Study, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. Yes. Yeah. Study. So you can't get to God mind if you haven't put in the study. Yeah. And studying is not just the thing I, I like or the thing I agree with. You know what I'm saying? If if right. if, if 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 I'm a, a Jehovah Witness and I only read Jehovah Witnesses material, that's not studying. That's sure. reading. Nothing wrong with that. Right. It's reading. It is a step, but but that that would be more slave mind because I'm I'm embracing something without having investigated everything else. Studiarity is to investigate everything that is religion, that is spirituality, that is consciousness, that is empowerment, that is life, that is science. And once all of those things have been investigated, then you choose a path. We know you chose that path based off of experience, evidence, reasons, research, et cetera, right? You're not of the Morris Science Temple having only just read Morris Science Temple. You've read everything and thus said, in all that I've read, this path I choose as the medium by which to convey all that I've learned. Absolutely. Not that this path is my is the is the absolute because we know there's no absolute except change. Right. right? After me traveling, Nubian Islamic Hebrews, Nuwapian nation, this that more this this reading Nubian Nuwapian nation more this, this. After going through all those paths, I found the Nazarite or Ansarullah, the Nasiri way as the path that I will choose to convey all that I've learned. That was the original system of spirituality. So to get to that God mind, the student has to be developed. As the old saying or adage goes, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So in life, we have to show a willingness to learn. A yeah. willingness. That willing, that willpower. Ooh, it, you know, it's, 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 it, it, they talk about shape. Right, shay, shay, the devil's will, shayatini, right? Shay will, as opposed to divine will, who he or ma, mashallah, they say mashallah, the Muslims will say, we say it as who he, right? This creative source and force of divine willpower. We have to have the willpower. You have to will yourself to wake up. Every morning when the alarm goes off, we all hit the alarm and then we have to decide, am I gonna get up? Sometimes we hit the alarm snooze and we go back to sleep and it rings again. Sometimes we hit the alarm and get up. Sometimes we get up before without the alarm having to ring. And sometimes the alarm rings and we don't even hear it and somebody else got to come in the room and say, yo, you don't hear this thing blaring? So it depends on the state of sleep, how far of a slave mind we've become how far asleep we've become. And then based off of that, you move into studying and the necessity of why you should be reading and read, I, I tell anyone around me for years, read something every day, read a page every day. I don't care what it is. Find something of consciousness, of awareness and read. I don't care if it's the newspaper, read the Wall Street Journal, read a page, read something because if you read something every day, you will learn something every day. And then you, you will be able to have a wealth of or storehouse of information when necessary. But if we never become that student, then the teacher will never appear. The teachings can't find you and I if we as students aren't ready. We have to show a level of preparedness. You know, first day of school, first grade, we send the child to school. They got the pencils and the pens. They got the crayons. They got the markers. You know, the school gives you a list. Don't send your child to school first day of school if they don't got the number two pencils, the glue, glue stick, glitter, this, you know, calculator, depending on their grade. There's a packet. 
Well, we have to approach life the same way. If I want or you want or we want to develop to a higher state of being from a financial or social or spiritual or religious, or educational, et cetera, background, all areas of people, activities, circuit, Baba Neely Fuller, then we must have all the materials that's necessary to show that we are prepared. We have to have the notebook. We got to have the pen. Where's your notebook? You study it. You, you read a book and you read it without a notebook. You didn't take notes. Well, that wouldn't work in school. Get that notebook out. All right. right what else you got? And it's that type of way. Yeah. Yeah. Student mind is always, it precedes the God mind. Everyone wants to be goddess mind or, or God mind. When God mind and goddess mind is something you're always becoming because God never rests. Creation never rests. That grand unified theory that Dr. Oyo and Professor Kaba Kamani uh, uh, spoke on, right? Uh, the grand unified theory he calls Gagut, or, or we call it the Shabaka stone. This idea of the complete unification of all information coming from a state of mental awareness, this reservoir, storehouse of information. We have to first show, while still a slave to a system, only because we don't understand it, we have to show a willingness and an obedience. If we're willing and we're obedient, we make the transition into student movement. If we develop the study habits, meeting the right people, speaking to the right people, applying what we learn, then the God mind takes root, it's a seed. And then you begin to each one, teach one. But you can't teach if you didn't study because you won't know what to teach. Absolutely. That's why each one teach one, each student, becomes a teacher if they study what they've been given. But if I don't study all the great teachers, then how would I ever be able to teach? Absolutely. I'll only be repeating what I think I know until questioned. Now, once mm -hmm. I'm questioned, it'll be determined if I have an understanding of what I've been saying. Right. Anyone talking sounds like they have knowledge. Once they stop talking, you'll find out if they have wisdom, if they understand what they just said. And once they allow themselves to be interrogated and questioned, you'll find out that they have understanding of what what they just said is going to do to the minds of others. And that's the goal. That's that's where we are in this development. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that that part, as they like to say, that part, you know, the recognizing the um, the difference between the one who speaks and the one who is um, um, brother, um, brother, uh, brother Sheikh Seven Islam in the chat said, "Demonstrate man must be what he knows," um, and that's one of the things that we teach in the More Science Temple of America um, about being what you know, being the message that you bring, studying yourselves. You know, truly, that's, studying. The, first, that's the first maxim. Yeah, you know thyself. Know thyself. If you don't know yourself. Yeah, if you don't know yourself, you're in trouble. Absolutely. And knowing yourself is knowing everything about yourself. Why your hair is the color it is. Why your eyes that color. Why do you feel the way you feel? Once we know thyself, once we know who we are, we say to stop trying to be and learn to become. Stop trying to be, learn to become. Becoming is the process. Becoming what? Becoming fulfilled. Becoming fulfilled with what? With being at one. At one with who? With sustainment. What does that mean? That you and creator, you're the visible manifestation. If I'm talking to my Christian brothers and sisters, you are the visible image of the invisible God. You say, no, that's Jesus. Well, Jesus said he's in you and you're in him. If Jesus is in you and that's Jesus, then that's you too. 
becoming at one. The, the Muslims, they talk about it, so, uh, a surah called surah, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Allahu ahad, Allahu summoned, right? Lam yalid wa lam yulad, this idea of oneness. Everybody taught it. Everyone talks about this oneness, ikhlas, this idea of being at one. We have to advocate that. Peace, y'all. Um, looks like my brother dropped out. Uh, let me see here. See if I can get him back on. Are you there? Yes, I am. I don't know what happened. I just I was there and I was going, but it <laughs> go ahead, brother. You you so, was going into being yeah, at oneness. Being at one, being at one, bringing all of these spiritual all these spiritual systems are one. Yeah. It's just one of of one system that has traveled many paths. Because the, the system, you know, a tree's roots reach out to find the nutrients. All right, a tree's uh, branches reach up to find the nutrients. But that tree from which we've all come, that's Africa. That tree from which we all come is Niger Delta culture. That tree from which we all come is Nile River Valley, right? That tree is oneness. From that tree, we've all root, you know, branched off or rooted off into different directions to find our way back to that tree. The tree is life, the tree of eternal life. The tree is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree is at universal order and the balancement of deeds. We've got to find our way back, but the tree reaches out. The tree sends, it drops an acorn over there and it, and it fertilizes and grows another tree. Some trees will splice off of itself and you'll see another baby tree growing. All of this is, we're all one, we're one doctrine. There's no difference between the true teachings of the Morris Science Temple of America and the true teachings of the Nation of Islam. There's no difference between the true teachings of the Nation of Islam and the true teachings of the UNIA. There's no difference between the UNIA true teachings and the and the Hebrew Israelites. There's no all there's all one. Just got a bunch of us as men running around all all wanting to control it, but ultimately it's one dogma. It's one, it's one thing. And what is the one thing? What was it all? What was it all about? Liberation. It was all about getting black people in a position where we can control our own situation and get the devil by whatever name you call him, right, off our back. Ultimately. And each person has to realize that in Africa we weren't a monolith. Indigenous African society, indigenous Native American society, indigenous uh, South American or Asian Pacific or, 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 or Amazon Basin society was never about a monolith. Every tribe was unique based off of their environment. If they were in an environment where fruits was the predominant fruit, they ate fruit. If they were in an environment where they had to hunt whales, then they ate whale. They did what nature told them was necessary for food, shelter, and reproduction. And they were able to interact with each other because they had respect for what each other was bringing to the table. The God mind advocates that. Slave mind, however, is going to get us at odds. We want to debate who's smart. And that just shows we don't know ourselves. How can we? How can I be in Egyptology, debating with a Hebrew Israelite, while quoting Dr. Ben, who said he wasn't Israel, Hebrew Israelite? That don't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. You know, I'm an Egyptologist. I don't believe in that Bible. All that stuff. But, that, but, that, but Dr. Ben said, like, uh, you know, he was an Israelite, right? <laughs> I don't want to mean. I don't mean to interfere with this discussion, but, and this is what we've done. We we've taken a doctrine 
of oneness because all of these men, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, Van Sertiman, Francis Cress, Wilson, Marimba, Annie, all these women and men, they were all able to sit with each other and never debate, never step on each other, never feel the need to denigrate or speak down with each other, but instead were able to raise each other in respect. We in the conscious community, we have dropped the ball. Everybody's just trying to, who's smart? None of us smart. What have any of us done? And under what conditions? What Garvey pulled off, what Noble Drew Ali pulled off, those people, exactly. they pulled them off with white man, nigger, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, exactly. we complaining, you know what I'm saying? We complaining when we see one black person get killed. They were doing when black people's was getting killed. You know what I'm saying? And so we need to, we need to just check the re, uh, reality check yeah. and, and get out of our own heads, get out of our own way and realize that it's bigger than us. Yeah. We're just another blink, and we, we've got to do something in such a way to make sure that the next generation has something worthy of being passed to them. Because as it stands right now, what, what, what the conscious community, if we're not careful, we're, we're, we're passing chaos. Right. We'll be in a God state of information, but chaotic in the application of that information, which will lead to even further destruction. True, true. Absolutely. I, I almost feel as if, to be honest, Dr. Varma, that we, brothers such brothers and sisters such as you and I, are a minority within a minority, being that what we're calling the conscious community, we're almost, there's a disconnect. Like, I can't, there's things that go on that I'm so, I cannot relate to it in such a way that you almost feel like you're not a part of that. If that but you know sense. what it is? I would say it's our fault, right? One of the things I remember right. my teacher saying to me towards the end, he would say, "Um, you know, it's our fault. We've been so, you know, in, in righteousness. And that's why I advocate this thing called righteous indignation. In righteousness, sometimes we're so humble. You know, a basketball player dunks a ball and he celebrates. LeBron James runs down the court. Steph Curry, they tap their chest, they point, they pump their fist. You know, they do all types of things to celebrate scoring a goal or a basket or kicking a field goal or whatever the case may be. They're, they're encouraged. In fact, they're expected to celebrate their successes. But if I take a, a doctor, a, a dentist, you know, a, a dentist does an ex extremely difficult surgery of repairing a cleft mouth or something of that nature, an oral surgeon, but they're not allowed to celebrate, to spike, you know, symbolically, to spike the dental equipment. That scene is not civil. And because of that, we don't have teachers who are celebrating that all their students graduated with honors and understood the information. They're not allowed to be like, yo, I'm that kind of teacher, it's what I do. We've got to encourage people that celebrating intelligence, celebrating success is necessary because if not, then the so-called unrighteous amongst us who are pretenders, they will get the attention because they're more flamboyant. They, their presentation is more exciting. They're more, you know what I'm saying? They're loud. So my thing is we are not going to stop the unconsciously conscious person right? The crookedly conscious person, the person who's been using consciousness for their own 
gain or aggrandizement. We're not going to stop them from doing that. But you and I that are doing it the right way, we got to become louder than them because we're letting them drown us out. The crookedly conscious or the crooked clergy, they're drowning out the righteous because the righteous are not moving with indignation. That's our fault. You know, the, the, the old saying, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. So let's stop being good people and let's become indignant people, righteously indignant people, and get out here and make some noise. We don't got to debate them to make the noise. What you and I are doing right now is making noise. Now we got to share this. We got to put this on all the pages and let this conversation, let the conversation, let's make noise. We're not making noise. The righteous people are quiet. We so we're so refined. We're so noble. We're so trying to walk in and show everybody that we're we're this noble, refined. We got everything right. No, let's get messy. <laughs> let's get messy with the truth. Let's speak the cold, hard facts. Let's be exciting. Let's raise our voice. Let, that is what we're missing. We do that, then it will shift that that paradigm. It will shift that pendulum. It will shift. The, the conscious community is not the problem. Is that we're letting the crookedly conscious speak. Mm. And they're and they're only able to speak because no one's checking them. But you don't got to check them by debating or arguing. You check them by outdoing them. Where it goes back to the very first thing you said. We came from where we worked. So yeah. let's get the businesses open. I ain't gonna argue with you. I'm gonna open businesses and and, and we're gonna set up temples. We're gonna and just keep doing and putting out information to where eventually you don't. My teacher used to always say, you don't gotta question them. Let the congregation, the regular people, will be like, okay, well, you say this, but they over there, they don't build this, this, this. They got cows and goats and chickens and turkeys. Yeah. You, you win by your works, but you celebrate everything we do. We spike that football, put it on social media. I want this on YouTube. I want this on Facebook. Celebrate, like, share, tweet, comment, get it out. Be exciting about truth. I'm excited about truth. I'm excited yeah. about what I do. I'm, I'm not excited as a hype. I'm excited because I know what we're doing is going to work. I know it's going to work because if it wasn't going to work, the European wouldn't spend so much effort trying to stop it. Right. You follow? But amongst us, all we got to do. Yeah, no, they are conscious. They're not conscientious. Somebody's asking, are they conscious? But they're not conscientious. You can be conscious without conscientiousness. Consciousness is aware. You can have doctrine awareness, mm -hmm. but you're not conscientious to know how your behavior is making people interpret the doctrine that you talk about. You're not conscientious to know how you treat people will be, it will judge that the wisdom of Tahuti says, walk in the light of the sun as if you see all, for surely all see you. So if you know that you are the visible representation of that which you advocate, you will be mindful of how you carry yourself. You understand? But they don't have conscientiousness. Then we might go to a church and find conscientious people who are good people, but they don't have awareness of self. So we, we, I've always taught in, in our, our church and our organization, the Holy Catholic Church of the Black Messiah, our Kanisa, I've always taught that we are conscientiously conscious. We have the doctrinal awareness, but we also have the social awareness. We, we have the Malcolm consciousness and the Martin conscientiousness. And if you can combine those two in your character, we can win, but we got to celebrate. We got to celebrate each other. We got to speak. We got to be vocal. We got to be everything that they're doing to outdo them. Be loud about it. Don't right. don't celebrate quietly. No, no, don't do that. Because then the charlatans, they're celebrating noisy and got people thinking that stripper poles and all that is a part of consciousness. So it's not. <laughs>
Real talk. Yeah, you're right. You that's a fact. Yeah, and that's that's to your point, um, brother. That's that's one of the reasons why I started this masterminds with brother Shamel, because I wanted to have that platform to have brothers like yourself, that brothers and sisters who were who had integrity to come on and speak. You know, um, and it, and it's and it's possible. We're in that stage where we can, like you said, celebrate our works. So definitely, definitely, absolutely. Um, and your works, of course, getting back. This is one of them, your book. I want to ask you another question. We're speaking about the God mind. How do we fully embrace the God mind within? Well, that's the, that's the strange part about the God mind. You don't embrace it. It embraces you. You don't learn it. It learns you. You know, if we just take any of the great teachers, take a take a B.B. Francis Cress Wilson, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. Take a Dr. Amos Wilson, Baba Amos Wilson. They didn't learn anything. Things were assimilated into them. They put themselves on the right frequency. They put themselves in the right environments. They put themselves around the right people. And because of the right frequency and the right environment and the right people, it inspired them, right? In the old ways, they would say, weh, this thing called inspiration, divine inspiration, weh. And it inspired them to become a conduit of the living soul, of the living consciousness. And that's ultimately what this is. It's about you and I becoming a conduit. You're never, you, you have trillions of years of information, billions of years, hundreds of millions of years, tens of millions, depending on who you talk to, hundreds of thousands, whatever your number, thousands to billions to trillions of years of information. No human being could ever possibly learn all of it in one lifetime. But we as human beings, as melanated people I'm talking about, have the ability that if we align ourselves with this reservoir of information with this collective consciousness, with this Christ consciousness, Kares consciousness, uh, Akasha records, and depending on who you're talking to, everybody got a name for it. If we could align ourselves, it's like being plugged into the internet, right? Your computer, everybody who's on a computer right now, or anyone who's on a wireless device right now, I, I, we, we, we are not connected to the internet. The internet's actually connected to us. So much so that if you get ready to shut down your computer, it'll say, uh, we're going to update for up to three minutes, four minutes, a minute, depending on the process of speed, some information to your computer and we'll shut off once done. Well, who's that? Because you just hit sign off. So if it was about you being connected, what's this thing? That's this thing is literally telling you we're not going to shut down. We got some stuff we need to do to bring to keep your computer aligned with the Web. Because each day the Web's being updated. So it's the same thing. You don't learn consciousness. All the guys who are running around talking that they're so conscious, you know, that they're, they're, they're not conscious because you never learn consciousness. You become aware, mindful of self. 
you learn yourself and then you place yourself in alliance or in proximity or in a, a, a con conjunction with the flow of information that went from Garvey, Noble Jurali, and all those minds from the 1900 and beyond all the way down to this 2024 that we're going into. And if you align yourself with them and you invoke their names, then anything you need to know, it's made available to you. This was this was our this was the collective teaching of ancient Kemet. This was the Nanja Delta culture. Our priest, priestesses, yes, they read a book, they studied books, they got books, there's books all around, right? They, they studied books, but they understood that I can study all of this. But what makes me actually remember all of this? What makes the brain retain? Because everybody's brain doesn't retain all of this. Some people read a page and you say what you read, they can't remember. And then some people read everything and everything sticks. How? It's not that it's stuck. It's that it connected that dendrite. That brain cell has a dendrite holding an electrical impulse. And that electrical impulse is pulsating with that frequency like your computer does. The CPU, central processing unit of your computer, is like the brain of the human body. That CPU has in it a wireless connection. That wireless router in the computer picks up the frequency from your wireless router of your or your Bluetooth, picks up that frequency, and it connects. And that connection allows you to actively grab from Google. Google is not good. Google is not bad. You can see pornography or you can learn how to fix a bike. All of it's available on Google based off of your consciousness and what you are seeking. You will either go to the porn site or go to the bike shop. But now can the porn site be used for good? If you're doing research to write a paper about human sexuality, you might go to the porn site to read up right? On why people do porn. So the, it can be used. The knowledge is not good or bad. It's how that knowledge is being used or worse, how that, that knowledge is using you. How is it flowing through you? And that's, you can, you, you dictate that by your food shelter reproduction, by that which is around you. What you surround yourself with, you will become. If you want to become great, put yourself around greatness, but greatness is always working. So you're going to always be working. But if you don't want to work, then it won't work. You know, you know what I'm saying? You don't learn, you can't learn this information in that way. It's about changing lifestyle. Knowing myself, I had to change the way I live. We right. have to change how I walk, how I talk, yep. even the type of glasses you wear. You got to pick the type of glasses that's going to fit the symmetry of your face to give you the look that you want people to see you as when they see you. Everything you do, food, shelter, reproduction, how you walk, talk, eat, sleep, all the five senses is what's going to allow the world to see you. Unfortunately, so many of us have a virus. We plugged into the internet of consciousness or of spirituality or the mosque or the church or the synagogue, but we didn't know what we were plugging into. And so now we got a virus. A virus is when you're getting the information onto your computer, you're downloading, but in that information, there is some misinformation also being downloaded. But if you don't know it's misinformation because you're not studying to show yourself approved, you end up being possessed of consciousness that has some misinformation. Now you got a virus. If you don't know you got that virus and you end up teaching, now you're spreading the virus. You're spreading something you believe to be true but you didn't have the consciousness or the awareness on how to research it. 
That's why we said the process of knowing oneself is to first go out and seek and read everything and compare everything and question everything. And once you can complete that path, that journey of investigating everything, then you say, well, what provided me the best answers? My research would be based off of that because I found that that was the place where I found the most answers. So from that place, I'm going to start seeking to add to the consciousness of the collective. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'll try to unmute your mic. My, my apologies, brother. Right. So that that that's the reality. It's it's you don't learn it; it learns you. But in the con, unfortunately, again, a lot of people don't understand what that means. You don't learn it; you align yourself with truth. Your computer aligns with the internet. If your processor ain't fast enough, your computer can't do nothing. If you if you're trying to go in your bank site and your computer or your phone it doesn't have the processor to handle the speed that that bank downloads information, it'll say your device cannot sign on to this site too slow. You got to catch up, and yeah. so that you have you have to update. Computers constantly updating, updating. When your brain is the same way, some people get stuck and get to update. You know, everybody doesn't know you got to run that virus sweep at least once a week. You got to do that defragment at least once every three months. Absolutely. And the computer just dies on you like my computer died. Did you defragment once a month? I didn't know you're supposed to do it every three months, but that's in the manual. Did you read the manual? Nah, you didn't read the thing that tells you at the beginning before you click here, you got to scroll all the way to the bottom and click that you understood what you read. Yeah, oh, you just one of those people that just scrolled all the way to the bottom and clicked it. Yeah, well, that's why you didn't know. In that, it tells you, you must defragment every three months. You must clean your cookies, your temporary files every month. You must once a week remove, if you don't, the computer storing all of this and it's using up memory space. That's mm. life. There's people you and I meet in life and knowing ourselves to get to this student mind and God mind, there's people we know in life that we got to defragment from ourselves. Right. There's, there's situations and persons and places and things that we've done or seen or, or been around that we have to remove. We need a virus sweep, right? I might have a habit. I might have a bad habit. I need to virus sweep that to get that out of me, right? I might have a, a, a person that's not good for me. I need to run that, 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 that uh, <laughs> I got to delete the cookies, right? All of these things have to be done. The brain is the same way. In our cultures, we had times of year where you fasted to purge, to dump the old files, to dump the unused files so you would fast. But fasting wasn't just about physical fasting. It was fasting of the senses, fasting of, 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 of food, of drink, of sex, of this. And by fasting, it allowed us to dump all the old unused files. But there's many people that don't fast. I'm talking about physical fasting, spiritual fasting, emotional fasting. Sometimes you got to fast from a relationship. I don't mean leave the house right, per se, but you have to fast me. We're here, we're in the same house, we're good, but let's just leave each other alone for a few hours. Give each other a chance to recalibrate. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Yeah. All this was necessary. Our original cultures all had a time of year where you fasted, where you did certain disciplines, where you chanted certain chants, you sung certain songs in order to purge yourself of the viruses that yeah. you may have picked up inadvertently, but we don't do that. That's we it. have to. We have to. Absolutely. And, and when I was thinking of fasting, you said it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it, it reminds me of the book 
uh, Baba Atun Ray put out uh, Mechanics of the Mind, the Mind, about the fasting of the mind. Uh, you know, we have to be able to um, allow the outside to, to kind of fade away in order to tap into that, that true source of power. Well, we have to, we, and, and as you said, we have to allow that to happen. And we have to realize that there are ancestral, universal forces, spiritual divinities, powers. Take the name you need, Muhammad, Moses. That, I leave that for each person to grab the name they need to say it by. But this ancestral descendancy from which melanated people have come, from that one tree branched out in different directions, it is trying to recalibrate black people. And in order to recalibrate us, it requires mediums that each person who's so willing must become. For you and me to be able to talk to each other right now, we needed this medium, this laptop, desktop, cell phone, tablet, whatever it's called, something able to connect to the internet. And because of this medium, we're able to have this conversation and others are able to watch the conversation take place. The universe is, for melanated people, we just have forgotten that we were a medium. We were spiritual beings having a physical experience. Thus, we were caught between the two worlds. And instead of remembering the world from which we originate and what our responsibility is here, to help correct it and be caretakers and repair the earth and repair our psyche and repair our situation, we instead through time and age have come to love that which destroyed our connectivity to the universe or, or to Allah or to Adonai or Jehovah or Yahweh or you know depending on which name a person needs to feel that it's theirs, right? So ultimately we have to allow that universal teaching that I and my creator are one, yet I did not create. I am the creativity part of creation. There are creative forces part of creation. There is creator part of creation. And when creator and the creative forces and creativity, you and I decide to work together, then we can shift creation growth back in our favor once again. And we don't have a choice. There's no choice. Right. You know, slavery is not a choice. So unless you choose slavery as a choice, then there's no choice. <laughs> <laughs> There's no choice. Indeed, indeed. So with that, um, because we're we're dealing with the God mind and tapping, I remember you spoke about the frequency. Uh, we don't embrace um, the God mind. The God mind embraces us. How do we? What must we do to allow the God mind to actively operate within us? Discipline, in one word, discipline. Discipline, that's the hardest thing. Because most of us are coming from a, a monotheistic background. And monotheism, you know, we was all Muslim, Christian, Jew. I, I'm talking about the traditional sense of it. It's not very disciplined, right? Not a lot of etiquettes, right? To be Muslim, Christian today, you can pretty much do anything you want. And there's some kind of, you know, you'll be forgiven and you can, you know, God loves and the law of this. And, but ultimately, discipline. When we mention the great seers, prophets of old, when we mention the great orators and authors, when we mention the great liberators of the last two centuries, one thing they all had in common, they were disciplined. 
They were disciplined towards the work that they were assigned to do, the work that they took on. They were disciplined, right? These weren't women and men that, you know, that were shooting craps and snorting cocaine and drinking alcohol. Let's, let's start there, right? They didn't have a double life in that sense. Can you, can you imagine Malcolm X or, or Martin Luther King with a double alcoholic crack cocaine life? No, they didn't have that. They didn't have a, you know, Martin Luther King was inside the porn shop again. You know, they didn't have that. They had discipline because they understood. They had. I'm not saying they were perfect because none of us are, but they had a discipline towards and a respect for the work that they were doing. They didn't take the work for granted. Part of becoming or, or developing a God mind is discipline. We must be disciplined in everything we do. And discipline is not something you put on and take off. You're disciplined when you're bathing. It's a system. How do you bathe? How do you wash your back? How do you clean the front? How do you dry off? When you dry off, do you dry between the toes? Which foot you do first? It's a system, right? You learn to live in a system when you cook. What, what ingredients do you cook with? What don't you cook with? What kind of pot do you use? What type of high flame, low flame? How do you make this cake? Everything you do, there's a system, right? Discipline. Uh, walking every day, drinking water every day. Discipline. Right, because we live in a day and time when you can literally you can meet people that have that don't drink water at all. They'll tell you, man, I don't drink water maybe once or twice a year. They drink soda, they drink beer, they drink alcohol, right? So they don't have discipline. Discipline. How you dress, you know, yeah, I should be able to wear what I want. That's true. You should be able to, but if you're gonna represent Frances Cress Wilson, she didn't advocate whorism for men and women. She advocated discipline. So if you're going to speak what she speaks, then you're going to have to dress the way she said. And if you're not willing to dress the way she said, then don't speak what she wrote. Don't denigrate it. Don't desecrate it by, by now having it affixed to your lackluster performance. Discipline. If you're going to quote uh, uh, Baba Noble Drew Ali, then you got to do what Baba Noble Drew Ali did. You got to walk like him. You got to talk like him. You got to eat like him. You got to sleep like him. You got to want, got to work. You got to do everything he did. If you're not willing to do that, don't invoke his name because then you affix to his name your, your, your stupidity. Discipline. Whomever you choose, whatever you teach, whatever you believe, discipline. Can you be disciplined? Can you see it through? Don't start, you know, we tell kids, don't start what you can't finish. Are you starting what you can't finish? Don't start a conversation you can't finish. Don't start a work you can't finish. Don't take on, don't do that. Cause we've seen it. You and I have seen it in our years of doing this. I've been doing this 38 going 39 years since I was 12 years old. And in that time, I've seen many come and go. I've seen many talk hype and they can't, they can't, they can't survive the test of time because they lack discipline. The ability to not be influenced by, by other people, the ability to be self-governed, no matter what the circumstance, not to be moved by circumstance, right? Divine mind or God mind or goddess mind, it, it, it affects, it is never infected. Most people are infected by their surroundings, peer pressure. You smoking weed, I'm gonna smoke weed, we all gonna smoke weed. No, divine mind says, oh, I, don't, I, I gotta go. You leaving? Yeah, I'm out. Student mind says, well, I can sit in the studio and just chill with y'all. I ain't smoking, even though I know I'm sitting here getting a contact high. But it allows me to justify getting a high without saying it was me who got the high. That's 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 that student mind leaning towards slave mind. But a disciplined mind says, I will never be where I'm not supposed to be. I will claim what I've done, good, bad, and in between. If I make a mistake, I will own it, and I'll say I'll do better. 
That's all. It's not easy. I don't got to make an excuse for him to say, hey, my bad, I'll do better. And if a person can accept it, fine. If they can't, it doesn't change the fact that I still got to do better. I don't have to do better for that person, but I can go and do better. And it's just moving with that mentality. The, the, you, you, we have to be able to, um, like you said, that discipline. You, you got to be able to, what they say, practice what you preach. You got to be able to have the the action and the presentation match the oral demonstration or articulation. And um, yeah, and that kind of goes to what we was talking about today within the conscious community. It's not matching for a lot of people. And that's the that's the difference between, like you said, this the slave, the student, and the God, because God is truly there's a discipline there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to take the time to read from your book, um, just a uh, short section. This is on page 318, um, dealing with the God mind. It says, and in knowing this reality, you will also come to to grow into knowing that you are never going to be a balanced influence on others if you are closed off or less than proud of who you are and what you stand for. We just talked about that. And in having this balanced influence, it will serve as a confirmation that you have reached the point of being mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically developed. So I noticed you talked about um, being balanced, a balanced influence on others, right? Um, how does one learn to influence others? in a balanced manner due to what we see now. By first looking at those who have influenced us, right? The way the ancient African people advocated, they said, when you try to find out an answer to a question, instead of looking for the answer, look for the non-answer. What the non-answer implies is, how do I learn to influence others in a balanced way? Stop know myself, in what ways was I influenced in an imbalanced way? Boom, now I know what imbalance looks like. What is the opposite to what I'm looking at? That, now let me go and investigate that and take it on, right? We're always trying to investigate the thing that is balanced, but we don't have a point of reference so we can't appreciate what we're looking at. I, I don't know if it makes sense to the people listening online, somebody can say, if I'm looking at the right answer, but I'm forgetting to compare that right answer. It's like in school when you would do multiple choice. They give you wrong answers, which helps you determine what the right answer is, right? If there's four choices, you know two of them normally don't got nothing to do with the math problem or the word problem. The other two, it's a 50-50 hit or miss. So by if the teachers never put any wrong answer, you would have a difficult time finding the actual answer. Having the non-answer, having the incorrect answer gives you insight. So when you want to know how to influence others in a balanced way, how was I not influenced? How was I misinfluenced? Learn that, recognize that, call it what it is. Now move towards what is opposite to that. I may not know all the answers, but I'm going to do everything opposite to the stuff that, that was detrimental. And once I begin to do that, 
like again, this, this World Wide Web, it learns you the right way learns you. So if I'm reading Baba Noble Drew Ali's teachings, I'm reading Circle Seven, I'm reading the lessons of the Nation of Islam, I'm reading all this stuff. And as I'm reading it, it's beginning to assimilate into this new conscious being. It's a seed, but a seed has to take root. The seed is the knowledge. You put this knowledge of how to influence people in a balanced way, you put that seed in the brain. But in the brain, it begins to branch out, the roots go out, and it has to get rooted. If it doesn't get rooted into the brain, it goes through and it passes back out. So some people get conscious for six months and then they go back to sleep because it never took root. If I want to know how to influence people, then I start looking and say, Francis Cress Wilson, she did this man from 1972. How did she do it? I may not know what to do, so I'm just going to mirror her. I'm going to watch Francis Cress Wilson, and I'm going to do everything she did, and I'm going to do the research the way she said to do it. I may not know how Dr. Ben, everything about him, but I'm going to mirror him. See, you've got to have a mentor. You've got to have an example. You cannot become what you can't see. I teach this all the time. You can't become what you can't see. We want to become without seeing an example. We don't want, because a lot of people don't want to see the example because then the example is going to force me to be disciplined. I just want to grab all the information and talk it. But if I grab that information and then I actually look at an example, that example is going to force me into discipline at a faster speed. Because if I look at Frances Cress Wilson towards the last few years of her physical life and I emulate that, I'm going to jump past a lot of stupidity. If I look at Shahrazad Ali, the great Bibi who's still with us, when she speaks and I start applying today what she's giving it as she's giving it today, I'm going to bypass a lot of mistakes in life. This was how our culture used to work. We used to look at the elders, see what they did well, replicate that, see what they didn't do well, avoid those things or fix them, and see what things they fell short of completing, and we sought to complete them. And so society, each generation, but now all we're doing is keep repeating the same dumb mistakes because don't nobody want to listen to nobody else. We don't respect the elders anymore. We don't respect the, you know, the grandmothers and the grandfathers from, from the local uh, 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 community all the way to the teachers and the professors and the people that are leading us. We want this, I call it a leaderless revolution. We all want to be the liberator. We all want to be the one to liberate ourselves by ourselves with nobody else so I can rule myself. And that's not what culture is. That's not what nation building is about. You can't have a leaderless revolution. You can't have a, 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 a leaderless uh, liberation. You, it's, it's, just, it's an oxymoron. Something has to show you how to do it. Whatever that person, place, or thing is, that is the leader. And then from that leader, we each become, because now we have an example of leadership. But you got to have a leadership. But so many people don't want that. They don't want that discipline. We, we, we'll force them to it. They don't have a choice. There's no choice. Oh, yeah. yeah. And once you start cleaning the house, the, all the, the conscious community can clean itself up by just becoming disciplined. The non-disciplined yeah. people will fall off. It's that simple. Just If we all just decided we're going to live right, all the people not living right, we just cut them off. Yeah. But we keep going to their YouTube page to see what they say. <laughs> I, I ain't going to no crazy. I'm not going to your page if you're not doing the works. I'm not going to help add more likes and shares and tweets. Hell no, I'm not going to your page. If you if you advocating ignorance, though you if you're advocating consciousness but adhering to ignorance, I'm not going to go to your page to help promote you. 
I will only promote that which is advocating and adhering to what they practice and what they preach. If we take on that mentality, we clean up our, our society very quickly as far as the conscious community. We can clean up the church the same way. We can clean up the mosque the same way. You can clean it up. It's not hard. But if a people prefer lackluster performance, prefer wantingness, prefer being able to get a little, you know, get away with a little something, something, then I'm going to look for a little something, something kind of leader, right? I'm going to look for a little something, something kind of teacher. If I wanted to have a little bit of crookedness to me, I'm going to look for the crooked leader because the crooked leader will allow me the opportunity to be crooked. The people get the type of leader they require. A leader gets the type of people they inspire. That's one of my sayings I tell my congregation all the time. I will get the type of people I inspire. So I seek to inspire people for the best and they will get the type of leader they require. So if they require me to be at my best at all times, for the most part, they're gonna get my best. And if I fall short of delivering that best, it will be a failure, not for lack of trying, but merely that I fell short. Right. Well, <clears throat> and I think that's important that we recognize that um, we, we set the bar. We, we set the bar. Because um, like you said, you know, in this age of TikTok and Instagram, YouTube, scholars, it's, it's the thing where everybody has a camera. So you, they're not, how can I put it? They feel no need for some reason to um, go by a bar or, or a standard go by right. standard but to your point once we don't give it that energy we don't give it the if, if we stop doing that and trying to have it both ways like yeah i don't really rock with them but i i watch it and, you right know, entertainment right. and all that once we just cut it off then it's like yeah. right we, we're 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 in we're promoting the thing that is holding us from succeeding hmm. I'm not, you know, I tell people, discipline says, if the person ain't going to be about it, then live it, we get away from you. I don't mean I got to hate you. I just don't have time for it. Right. We don't have the time. Once you hit a certain point in your life and your development, regardless of your age, once you get to that point in life where you decide, I'm going to help change this situation. When you take on that mantle, that mentality, that you don't have time for the tomfoolery, for the, for the stupidity. You learn like, okay, just don't have the energy for it. And you leave those people that, again, not without hating, without talking against or about, just leave them to it. Because if truth will last, you know, there's an old saying, truth will last, false things will perish. And I always ask the question, what makes truth last? Truth lasts because truth changes, it adjusts for the better. And the only thing that's constant is change. So if the only thing that's constant is change and truth lasts, then truth must last because of its ability to adjust to the ever-changing environment. So if the conscious community, if we want to survive, we got to make the necessary changes in our behavior, in what we accept and who we associate with. And that's it. Once you do that, but we, we, and I always put ownership on us, all right, for myself. I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm saying we. We have to put ownership on ourselves to clean up our environment by merely being an example of what a clean environment is supposed to look like. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's that's ultimately that's the approach in this idea of a God mind or a goddess mind, a divine thinker. A divine thinker puts creator first. 
a divine thinker puts creator first. And that's a tough one for most people. Yeah. Creator first. We say Lila Nere for the greater glory of the most high. Right? The, in Islam, they'll, they'll say Sadaqallah Lazim, right? For, uh, trust in God, the Supreme. This idea of all that we do, you know, Shema Israel, right? You love the Lord thy God with all thy strength and power. That everything that I do is for the greater glory. If we start to operate from that standpoint, that everything that we must do is for the greater glory of the source, of the ancestors, we don't work for us. We work for the ancestors, we work for the descendants, we work for the guardians, we work for the creator. If we do the works for that which precedes us, then we become a part of that, and then we have something to pass to the next generation. It's not, a, it's not about the individual, it's about the work that said individual is supposed to do. What is my contribution to this life? Am I gonna live to be 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, and when I'm gone, that's it? What did, what did I contribute? We know what I took. I ate, I ate chicken, beef, and you know, broccolis, and we, we know what I took from earth. But what did I give back to earth? What did I contribute? Was I just a mere worthless eater? Or was I someone who was contributing to the, the greater collective consciousness and awareness? Can we be those types of people? We don't have a choice. For me, it's, it's, there is no choice because slavery is not a choice. And slavery is on the menu, y'all. Critical race theory and uh, the attack on consciousness and black bookstores and black authors and information about black progression and liberation and superiority is under attack. So we got two choices, either organize this thing quickly, get the things we need to get done quickly so we can hunker down and prepare for the obvious attack that's going to be perpetuated open season on black people. If we don't do it now, we're in trouble. We have to look at the time that we're in, in the, in the severity of this moment of now. This, this is a very severe moment we're in. We're watching nationalism, white nationalism, all across the globe, whether it's called Indian nationalism, Brazilian nationalism, Argentine nationalism, Spanish, Spaniard, Spain nationalism, nationalism, uh, English nationalism. We see the, the third right, the, 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 uh, the fourth right is now in play. We see it. So there's just some base conversations. Yes, we're talking about black consciousness and all that. And I said, that's great. Now let me add a lot, another component. We better start growing some food. Every conversation I'll ever right. give us, somewhere in there, I'm gonna talk about getting land, growing food, grow a, get, get a bucket in your house, grow some tomatoes, grow yeah. a watermelon, grow a pepper. You better, you cut those peppers every night to cook for your food, take those seeds out and plant them. You can grow a pepper. Green peppers, red peppers, yellow peppers. Go online, spend all that time on YouTube, get some stuff to teach you how to grow food. If you can't feed yourself, if we continue to allow other people to feed us, then we, we can't control what they're feeding us. And we can't control what's put in what they're feeding us. And we can't control what results what they're feeding us is gonna have on our body. No group of people, lions do not depend on hyenas for their food source. No intelligent creature depends on something that is, is an enemy to it to feed it, except our people. And it's not because we can't grow. We were the ones who were growing all the food. Europe didn't grow nothing. It <laughs> still don't grow nothing. That's why they call it, they import everything. So you're the original growers of the planet. Get back to growing. 
with all the consciousness we have, with all the doctrines we believe in, let's get back to growing some food. Grow some food. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. Shelter, land, nationality, name, language, everything that all the greats, Baba Noble Jurali knew what he was talking about, 100%, 100,000%. But are we doing what he was doing the way he said to do it? Are we disciplined or are we just quoting him? And unfortunately, as you know, uh, Sheikh Shemel, you know, there are a lot of people just quoting him. Baba Elijah Muhammad was all wise, right, and exact. Baba Tumray, Imam Isa, all wise, right, and exact. But the people who come after, they want to claim the information, but not the works. Show me your works more than your words. Many people will talk about you. Shemel this. I got all kinds of people. I got fans that hate me, right? <laughs> But I laugh, I said, because you're so busy talking, but you're not doing. Right. I'm, why are you talking? I'm writing. Because my teacher taught me, let them talk. Give them something to talk about. Yeah. Give them something to talk about. If they're going to talk, give them something to talk about. Absolutely. You control what they talk about by what works you do. If all I'm doing is tricking and hoeing, then they're going to call me a trick and a hoe. <laughs> if I'm doing the works of setting up business and trade, then they're going to call me a businessman and a tradesman. You got to decide what you want people to say about you by the works you do. Absolutely. It's that simple. You can control the narrative without arguing. It's a simple thing. You just got to change the way you approach everything. That's right. It was definitely the works. And, I, and I'm glad you mentioned about the agriculture because that's something me and my wife um, really are into. I want to share this with the family and I'm posting it in the chat real quick. This brother here, um, Lead Farmer 73. If y'all are interested in learning about, and I don't know the brother, I'm not getting paid for this, but I he has some great videos. Um, check out his channel, uh, Left Farmer 73. Uh, this brother has put out stuff in terms of getting land, um, start doing agriculture, doing creating beehives, all types of stuff. Um, and that's the type of information that I'm glad you brought it up that we need to start sharing. Um, I put out a book myself called Land of the Free, and it was dealing with um, sustainable, sustainable villages, sustainable living. We have to be able to, at one point in time, we, we're going to have to think about being off the grid when necessary. Well, this is that point. Yeah. We're there now. We're there Absolutely. now. Yeah. You're 100%. We're telling people, buy land. America for sale. Yeah. England's for sale. It's we just got to move past this idea of I want a house and move into the idea of I want land. Right. Land is power. Land is power because land provides the three base necessity. Land provides food. Land provides shelter slash clothes. And land provides the ability to reproduce and sustain your future. We've got to get into land. I always tell people, say, y'all keep buying all these damn houses. You're stressing me, right? Buy land. Build your house, but buy the land. Own the land, then build the house. Don't buy a house on land you don't own. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But it's the way of thinking. Land. Land is power. Growing food. Yeah. 
sustainable, as you said, learning greenhouses. Greenhouse ain't nothing but taking that old plastic we used to put on the windows in the winter when we were growing up poor. That same plastic mama used to staple gun around the window or put the duct tape. That plastic is what they call greenhouse. Yep. You can take that plastic and staple <laughs> it to some sticks and go around and drop a piece in front. That is a greenhouse in there. And you can grow food in the winter. Not hard. Go online. How to use basic window plastic to set up your greenhouse. And you'll laugh at how simple it is to grow food. And you don't learn to grow food when you have to. You learn to grow food now. Mm -hmm. Grow food now because what's coming, buy land now. I don't care where you live. I don't care where you are. Anywhere I go, I start looking on how to buy land because you don't know where you're going to be. I have land you know, in Florida for years. And and I remember telling them before COVID, you know, we got to have land everywhere we go because when stuff hit the fan, I don't know where I'm going to be. And when stuff hit the fan, I wasn't I wasn't in Florida. I was in England going, damn, we got all them goats and chickens in Florida. Boy, I sure hope we, we get the food going because I'm in England at the time and we ain't got no goats and chickens and, and turkey and, and crops. And I'm going, yeah, this is why you have to have land wherever you are. You got to have land wherever you have members, wherever you have loved ones. You have to have land because you don't know where you're going to be when stuff hit the fan. It's not just about me having where I live because I may not be where I live when stuff hit the fan. I pray people understand what we're saying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's important. Definitely important, bro. This is a very important conversation to have. Um, and it, and it's a, this was a great conversation. I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, please um, share with the people uh, as we conclude, how can people reach you? Uh, I'm, again, I'm going to go ahead and pull up the, the YouTube channel. Your, not your YouTube channel, but your, your website, AJ Varma dot com and um let the people know uh what you got in store um in addition to that um how they can reach you get your books and things of that nature well as, as you said they, they can go to ajvarmer.com and all they can even remember is a journeyhomegroup.com journey just like the word journeyhomegroup.com um aj varmer you can find me on facebook uh, of course, if you go to Journey Home Group website, it'll link you to the, to the to, when we say church, people think we mean like, hallelujah, Father God. No, not that kind of church, right? <laughs> Consciousness church, right? A, 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 a true religious identity church, or, or we say Kanisa. Um, and you can reach out and you can see that on, on that site, Journey Home Group or AJVarma.com. You can go and there's a bookstore. You click on the store and it'll show you what we do. We also do a lot of philanthropic work. I know right now we, we do, we're doing the food drive in the UK. We just finished a food drive uh, to help the homeless or the poor uh, people or poorer. because We're all kind of poor, right? People um, in different cities from Atlanta to Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Trinidad, Tobago, uh, uh, Nassau, Bahamas. So people can reach us there. And we also have an event coming up called Love, Lies, and Liberation. Love, Lies, Liberation. It's our fourth year doing it. And it's a five-week, some some years we did it for seven weeks, but this year it's a five-week, uh, five Saturdays, beginning January 20th, where we'll be discussing Black love and relationships. Because even we in the conscious community, we struggle with relationships too. Right. Because you might think you got all this conscious people. You might think you got all this, you know, this sister or this brother done read the book by Sheck, blah, 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 and noble X, Y, Z. And you thinking you got this conscious lover and you find out you ain't got nothing but a slave mind. <laughs> you, 
and you don't know what to do. Well, we so we are in the conscious community, and and, and even in the church, we, we we have church folk, mosque folk, synagogue folk, and we gather for those five Saturdays. Some do it online, some attend in person, and we talk openly about black relationships, the bedroom, you know, sex, the stuff, the the, the taboo subjects, because you know, conscious people have sex too, right? That's how we have children. Uh, because people think sometimes, you know, you talk so conscious, they'd be like, you got children? Yeah. And they look at you like, wow, that's beautiful. You're like, same way you made yours, I promise you, right? Um, so during Love, Lies, Liberation, it allows us to have a real conversation, to speak truth. You know, what is manhood? As you know, as you mentioned earlier on, we had the manhood conference last weekend, last Friday and Saturday. But what is manhood? What is womanhood? You know, how do we reclaim it? How do we bring back women being ladies? Right. And I don't mean ladies like shut up, go in the back of the room, don't speak. That's not a lady. That's a slave. I mean, a lady. But in the, the Francis Crest Wilson sense of the word, a lady in the um, I'm sorry, Cosby show, Felicia Allen Rashad sense of the word, you know, lady in the Michelle Obama sense of the word, uh, lady in the Yasanti was sense of the word, lady in the middle. But how do we bring that about? without me telling a woman, but showing a woman by showing her what true ladyhood or womanhood is. By, without a woman telling me, men supposed to, but her showing me by her example of ladyhood. If she presents me with ladyhood, I've got to rise to that level if I wanna be with her. If I wanna be around her, I've got to rise. I can't go around Francis Cress Wilson grabbing my cross, yo, 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 Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, you know what, you know what I'm saying? I would, you, I would immediately straighten up, excuse me, Dr. Wilson, can I ask you a question? And you've watched the most thuggish, strongest men when they come into the, 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 the prayer view or the environment of a high thinking female, immediately we straighten up and vice versa. So we, we got Love, Lies, Liberation that begins every Saturday for five Saturdays beginning January 20th, the 20th, the 27th, February 3rd, February 10th, February 17th. And we'll be in five countries, uh, the United Kingdom, Jamaica, Trinidad, Bahamas in the United States. Um, in the United States, we'll be out of Greenville, South Carolina. We have a facility there. People can gather on the website, on the journeyhomegroup.com, as well as the uh, AJ Varma site. You can find the link to the Love, Lies, Liberation. It's going to be you know, there's entertainment, there's, you know, singers, there's poetry, there's each week we have some slightly different things to, 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 to during those commercial breaks to keep the crowd going. And, um, and you, it, it, and it allows us to really find what we say black love, but not black love in the unconscious black love set, setting, but a conscious way, right? What are the rules? What are the, what, what should we be doing? And, and this is even for those of us that are already couples. So we have that coming up. We also have in uh, the month of March, the women's conference, the ladies of purpose uh, conference. So all the sisters out there, if you reach out to ajvarma.com, uh, you can send an email or you can go to journeyhomegroup.com or journeyhomegroup at Gmail or, or even our YouTube page, Cryptic TV. I think they put a link inside the private chat. There's many ways that people can, can link up with us, can get with us, and we'll do our best. And I'll, and I'll always promise people this. If you come to us and we're not what you seek, I'm going to always point you to the best minds of that which you seek. So if you're seeking the Morris Science Temple of America's teaching, I'm going to point you to Sheikh Shemel or, or Sheikh Renisiel uh, out of Atlanta. If you come to me about the Nation of Islam, I'm going to point you to Brother Mark X out of Jacksonville, Florida, or Brother uh, Carl Hassan Muhammad out of Birmingham, Alabama. These are men. Or if you're coming to me and you need Sunni Islam 
it's understanding. I'm going to point you to Imam Umar out of Jacksonville, Florida. If you come to me and you want to know about the Hebrew doctrine, I'm going to point you to my brothers, uh, uh, Yechaziel and them out of uh, uh, the Hebrew uh, Israelites that, that are based out of Demona, Israel, but they also reside in South Africa and Zimbabwe. I'm always going to point people where they need to be so they get the medicine that they need. It's not about just making a person walk with you just so you can have somebody walking with you. You take them as far as you can on that journey and ultimately help a person or persons get where they need to be. And if we do that, now we're doing a job. Other than that, it's just, you know, about self. And that's that's selfish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it all connects in being part of the greater, the greater cause. And, and I think that's, that's one thing I always um, respected about you is that you were all you every time I walk, every time I seen you and um, heard from you, you always work for the greater cause. And um, you gave me this piece of advice before we close out. You said to, and you just repeated it today because I asked you about writing. I don't know if you remember. You said write something every day. I don't every care. Day. It's every day. A sentence, a word. Every day. Every, every day. day. Right. Because people and, think you write that you're going to wait to get this moment of complete clarity and write your book. No. Every right. day, type two sentences, paragraph. Just look at it, look at it this way. If you, if you were writing a 200-page book and you typed one page a day, in three months, you have 90 pages. In six months, your book is done by just writing one page a day. What most people do is they want to do everything in one day. And because the muscle's not developed to work in that one day, it's like me right now. If you say, drop down, give me 200 push-ups, I couldn't do it. But I can give you 50 straight, take a break, give you another 50, because that's my max that I can do. But if I built myself up to do 100, then I could do 100. Instead of trying to jump, take one thing, my brother. And I'm happy you remember that or remember the conversation. Every day, write something. One sentence, one paragraph, one page. If you write one sentence a day, then you'll finish a paragraph every week. Then you'll finish a page every month. If you write one paragraph a day, then you'll finish two a page every two days. That's three pages, three and a half pages a week. If you write a page a day, then you'll have 30 pages. If you write 10 pages a day, like I've done at this juncture, I'll normally do about 10 a day. So it allows me to write a book in a month. But it's the discipline. Yeah. It's just math. It's not, you know, not like, you know, wow, he's so smart. No, it's just basic math. I understood math. If I do five pages a day and there's 30 days, 150 pages. If I do 10 pages a day, I can knock out a book if I need to in a month. By just saying, but that means I ain't gonna be talking to nobody. I'm gonna be walking around pissed off at the world because I don't want to be bothered and I want to answer the phone. So you learn when to turn that on and off, but ultimately do something every day towards your liberation. If you don't do it, no one else will. If you don't, if you don't liberate yourself, if you don't fight for your own liberation, please don't expect the devil to stop doing what he do because he 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 good at what he do. He ain't gonna stop, and I ain't mad at him. I, I, I appreciate his tenaciousness and I just be like him. I want to be just as tenacious. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, um, I think everybody gets the message. If you leave with nothing else from here and in, in, in truth, you should leave with a lot, but if nothing else, do something every day towards your liberation. And that is, that is a quality of the God mind. And with that brother, 
Thank you so much. Sheik, I want to thank you as always. A lot of people don't know how long you've been doing this, right? Uh, we met, I think we were teenagers, 17, yeah. 18 years old. We were that's a long time ago. But a lot of people don't know what brothers like yourselves, and like anytime I think more of Science Temple, I think, I think Sheik Shamel and, and, and Sheik Renisiel. That's, that's who I think, because I know these men are going to live what they preach. And it don't matter if somebody came to me and said, no, nah, that brother, you can't, I, I'll be looking at that person like, word, I hear you. Whatever <laughs> you're saying about them, I hear you, but I'm looking at what they're doing. I'm going off what they're doing, not what you're telling me about them. And I, and I, and I always pray that people will see me that way. No matter what someone tells you about me, look at what I'm doing. Judge me by my work not by the words that people may speak, because there's, there's always going to be a critic out there somewhere. So, And so the critics, keep doing what you're doing. You're keeping my name alive. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. And we're going to keep your name alive, brother, but we're going to do it with love. Brother, I love you, man. Pe Much peace love to everybody. you, brother. love you here. Much love to you and the family. Give the yes. wife my regards, my family. And we got a lot of work to do this year, 2024. We're going to do a lot. Absolutely. Will do. And peace to the family. Love to the audience. Thank you for um, coming on. It was a great show, great participation, and uh, we'll keep we'll keep doing it. And with that, peace and love. Peace, peace and love.